Okay, it is good to read God's Word this morning with you. <clears throat> We're going to be in First Chronicles chapter 28, verses 9 and 10. And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Be careful now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. This has been the reading of God's word. You may be seated. I just want to let you know here at the beginning of the, uh, the, the new year, kind of where we're going to be going over the next few months, um, unless the Lord changes the plan, and we're always open for that. Uh, next week, we're going to jump back into the Gospel of John, and we're going to look at uh, chapter 17, which is Jesus' prayer. It's called his high priestly prayer. We'll be in that chapter looking at his prayer, the prayer that he prayed for his disciples, that he specifically prayed for us, and that we believe that he's praying for us now at the right hand of the Father. Um, we'll be there for seven weeks, and then we'll be kind of following in chapter 18, 19, and John will be looking at the, the betrayal, the arrest, the trial, and the death of Jesus. And then on Easter Sunday, March, I think it's the 31st, we'll be uh, on, in the resurrection. And then uh, we'll spend a, two or three weeks after that looking at his interactions with his apostles. Then, then after that, we're going to do a, a series on faith, I believe, Lord willing, that I'm really excited about. But, but, but this week, the, the first Sunday of 2024, and we don't, we don't know what this year is going to hold, right? We don't know what this past year held, what this year's whole, but I want us to focus on what I think the Lord is calling us both individually and as a church to focus on for the year. Now, undoubtedly, most of us, maybe all of us in this room, took some time over the past couple of weeks to think and reflect over the past year, to think about uh, uh, your successes and failures Babies were born, people got married, uh, successes and failures with work or, or your career or school or home. Uh, you maybe consider kind of what's happened in our life. How have things changed? Maybe you made a move. Maybe something's happened. Where, where are we? And, and kind of thinking of it, coming in this year, like, where might we be headed? Where, where, where might I be headed? Where might our family be headed? Like, what, what are, where are we going? And I, I've, done the, I've done the same thing. And there's, as I think about the past year, I've talked with some of you guys about it, my year, your year, our year. I've, there's a lot of things you can put in the positive column and a lot of things you can put in the, the negative column, right? Hey, this, this was great. This wasn't so great. I expected this to happen and it was good. I didn't expect this to happen and it wasn't. It, but, but one thing that I think is clear, if you've been a part of our, our church for this, any amount of time this past year, I, th I think it is clear that Whatever has happened in our lives, good or bad, expected, unexpected, and I hope you've experienced this, even if you haven't been a part of our church, that, that God is at work in our midst. And, and I just want us to take a moment here, maybe you've already done this, but I want us to, to take a moment as we're like finished, just finished out a new year, looking ahead at an old year, looking ahead of the new year, not sure what to expect. I just want to take a moment and, and just kind of build a, a monument and say, look what the Lord has done. 
when, when the Lord led the Hebrew children uh, out, finally, after 40 years, out of the wilderness across the Jordan, when they got to the other side, he commanded them, take 12 large stones and stack them up here, 12 for the tribe of, tribes of Israel, and stack them up. And, and then, whenever your children come by and ask, what do these stones mean? You tell them how I led you out of Egypt through the desert, across the Jordan when I stopped the waters and into the promised land. You, you tell them what happened. When they ask you, what do these stones mean? And so I just want for a moment for today, for us to, to stack up some stones and say, look back and say, this is where the Lord has brought us. This is where we want to go. This is where we believe the Lord wants to take us, but let's stack these stones and remember this is how he brought us here. I look out some of you and thinking about this passage, what are these, what are, if our children ask, hey, what do these stones mean? What, what, what was happening at Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach at the beginning of 2024? I look at some of you guys and some of you guys didn't know the Lord this time last year. That's pretty cool. What do these stones mean? Look what the Lord has done. Some of you guys, have, I know, some of us have been through very trying times. You shared some tears this year. And yet, the Lord has sustained you. A visa unexpectedly canceled. The Lord has sustained you. Plans that didn't work out. The Lord sustained you. Some of you have seen the Lord answer prayers that you have long prayed over this past year. Look what he has done. Some have seen him move in unexpected ways in your life. Some of you have seen miracles happen in your life. Some of you have been able to see the Lord move through you in miraculous ways to serve and help other people. Some of you are still waiting. Still waiting. Still waiting for that thing you prayed for. Still waiting for that thing to come through. Still waiting for the Lord to move. And yet, these stones mean that you still have hope. You still trust him. Some of you are trying to figure out, what, what do I do with Jesus? What do I do with Jesus personally? He has something ahead for you. So right now, let's, let's put down a marker, let's stack the stones and to recall where we were here at the beginning of, of 2024 and how far we've come by the power and the mercy of God and to mark all that lies before us still. Now, that's what stood before the Hebrew children when they had crossed the Jordan. They, they stacked the stones and they, they had come so far, but yet the promised land stood out before them and they still hadn't taken possession of it. They still had to, hadn't conquered the enemy in the promised land. There was a lot of work left to do. The stone said, he has t brought us this far and he will take us further. Remember, he's the one who's done it. He's the one who's done it. So what do, we, what do we do here in this kind of transition period? I want us to look at this transition, another transition period the, from the passage that Becca just read for us and, and see the instruction that was given and, and I want us to see how it applies to us because it's timeless and I want you to feel the weight of the charge 
that David gave Solomon, his son. And I want you to feel the weight of the promise that he gave him as well. And I want you to feel those, my goal for you is I want you to feel those dual weights upon you this morning. And I want that to propel us into the future. Here's what was happening. King David was about to die. He had lived a full life. He had been anointed as the next king of Israel, as a a little poor shepherd boy. He had then gone out and killed the giant Goliath. He had become a great warrior. He had been pursued by King Saul, who wanted to murder him, wanted to kill him. And then he had been made king. He had conquered new territory for Israel, including Jerusalem. He had survived a coup attempt attempt by his son, Absalom. And now he had ruled as king for 40 years. And and David is now going to pass his throne on to his son, Solomon. And so David calls all the leaders of Israel together. He he calls them all together and and he reminds them how God had chosen him to be king. God had given him a promise that he would be king and that someone from his seed, his descendants, would would sit on the throne forever. And then he reminds them also how it had been his dream to build a temple for worship for God, but that God has said, because you're a man of bloodshed, it'll be your son Solomon. Now, this is the moment he's passing his throne on to his son Solomon. And in the sight of all the leaders of Israel, with Solomon standing before him and standing before all the leaders of Israel, this is what he says. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek out the commandments of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance to your children after you forever. Now he talks to Solomon. And you, Solomon, my son, know the Lord. Know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, this is the key, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Now of all the things that David could have instructed Solomon with as as he's getting ready to depart his life, of all the things he could have charged him with as his son and his king and heir apparent, of all the things he could have said, he gives Solomon one big charge. He gives Solomon a charge to seek God. That's what he gives him. Solomon's going to need a lot of wisdom. He's going to need a lot of things to be the next king after David. He's got a, he's got a, the, the, Israel has never had a, a king pass on to his son before. They're, they're still establishing what it looks like. He's got a lot of things to figure out how to establish his kingdom, how to set things up, how to make sure people are loyal to him, and how to, to do all the things it takes to build a, a flourishing kingdom, a flourishing country. And this is what David tells Solomon, his son. He says, seek. Lord. If you seek him, he will be found by you. Now, why of all things would this be the final charge that David would give Solomon? Because Solomon was picked to be David's son because 
He worshiped God, and God even said of Solomon, he is careful to observe my commands. That's why I want Solomon, your son, to be king. So Solomon was not a prodigal. He worshiped God. He observed his commands. He was careful to do do all that God said for him to do. Why would David give him this charge? Why would David take this young man who's before him, who is careful to observe all the commands of God and worships God, why would he say, seek the Lord? Why would he say, if you seek him, he will be found by you? Why would he tell him? Why would he give him that great charge? And you know why? It's because we as humans are seekers. We as humans, we're, we're pursuers. We're always driven by desires and appetites and longings. Everything that we do is driven by appetites, desires, and longings. It's because we were made to be seekers. We were made to seek God. That's the, from the very beginning, before even the fall, we were made to seek God. We were made to be followers of him, and to know God and to follow him is a never-ending, endless journey of joy. We are made, you never can fully know God. You can never fully comprehend him. So we were made for all eternity to be continually finding out more and more and more about this amazing God who created us for his glory and for our joy. That's why our appetites and our desires are endless. They're bottomless. Humanity's appetite is bottomless, is endless, because we were made to know and to seek God. But we as humans also were pulled in so many other different directions. Our own desires, our own appetites, our own lusts, our own, our own drives, the world painting out for us, around us all the time. This is what you really want. This is where happiness lies. This is where joy is found. This is where fulfillment can be found. And Satan himself who wants to just pull us off course. Just praying, just playing upon the strings of our heart like a harp, like saying, just There's somewhere you can find happiness, fulfillment, contentment, somewhere other than in God. They all pull us to to seek something else. And and this, this is why I think this is so important for us today, the beginning of 2024. Because it doesn't matter what your track record has been so far. If you begin to seek after something other than God, it will pull you off course. No matter what your track record has been, Solomon's track record was sterling. That's why he was chosen to be the next king. But if your desires and drives pull you to chase something else, to seek something else, it'll pull you off course. Solomon was the son of David. He was an heir of Abraham. He was an heir to the throne of God. He worshiped God. He observed all his commands. Yet here is David, his parting words to him. He says, no, God serve him and seek him. That's what he says. And Solomon, just like you and I, he needed to hear this from David because Solomon was going to be tempted. In fact, he would later to succumb to human pursuits. This is the same Solomon who later on 
whenever he's going to build the temple that he had promised God that he would build him, when he builds the temple, fire falls down from heaven to consume the sacrifices, and the glory of God so comes into and fills the temple that no one can stand. So he had seen, and not only a, a worshiper of God, but he had seen God move in amazing ways. If you see fire fall from heaven and glory of the Lord fill the temple so that no one can stand, that probably stands out in your memory. That's got to make the top two or three things that you've experienced. And yet, only a few years down the road, Solomon, who built the temple that God's glory fills so that no one could stand and fire came from heaven, he's going to build shrines to false gods in Jerusalem. And this is my concern for us. My concern for us is that, all that for all that we have seen the Lord do, build this monument, stack the stones, look back and see all the things that the Lord has done in our midst in the past year, that we would neglect to continue to seek him that we would become satisfied or pulled off by other lesser desires and drives. Now, the book of Ecclesiastes, we believe, was written by Solomon, and I'm just going to share a few quotes that he gives about life that he had found out. This Solomon who David charged him, know God, serve him, and seek him, and if you seek him, he will be found by you, saw the fire from heaven, the glory filled the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory of, of God filled the temple. Later, he's going to be pulled off and worship other gods and build even shrines in Jerusalem. Here's what he said. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Verse 8 of chapter 1, he says, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. You hear that? The, talking about the longing, the drives, the desires, the appetites that pull us and push us. He said, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that human pursuits, other than seeking after God, is endless. The eye is never satisfied. The ear is never satisfied. We look around and we see and we want, and it's, it's always endless, right? Because whatever phone you get, whatever car you drive, whatever house you build, all of a sudden you turn around the corner or you... you Open your phone and you see on your nice phone that you just bought, you see there's a nicer phone that's out. You're, ec you're ecstatic about the car you drive, you turn around the corner, there's a nicer, better car. You're content with the house that you finally, we finally got in here until you drive into that other neighborhood and you say, oh, that's a house. 
The desires of human pursuits outside of seeking God, they are endless. There's an endless variety, an endless menu of things to keep us distracted from the one thing that we really want. The one thing that we were made for. There's an endless menu. Try this. Try this. Save up and get this. Human pursuit is endless, and it's often aimless, isn't it? Doesn't it feel like it's just aimless? Like, hey, I, I'm waking up and I, I feel driven by some dr- drives and desires, but man, that's fleeting, that's passing. I look back and say, where is this taking me? I spend, my, I, I spend out my health and my energy to build a, a business, to amass amount of money, to build a sense of security. And then I get on the other side and my body is broken down, my mind is broken down, and I wonder, what did I ever gain? Human pursuit's always shifting. There's always something different, something new, something better. And it is absolutely fleeting. It's absolutely and utterly fleeting. It is incredibly temporary. You know what else that Solomon said here that's true? I've experienced it, but you've experienced it. That human pursuit is also exhausting in the end. Isn't it? You hear him say, like, it's tiresome. It is a wearisome, it is a wearisome burden, he says, that the, the, the God in heaven has put upon man. I expended my energy, my effort, and it is wearisome in the end, and it is vanity of vanities. Fleeting, temporary, unfulfilling, and exhausting. And here's the, the, the help in that is it's a great way for us to gauge what we actually have been seeking with our life. It's a great way to gauge what you have been seeking after your life. Do you move from one interest and one passion to another? Do you ever feel like you find what you're looking for or do you feel like you're striving after, clutching after wind? Do you feel yourself exhausted, feeling like you can never get what you've been looking for? You see, that's where the illusion can creep into our lives. You say, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm doing the Christian things, but yet you would say, you would answer yes to those questions. Yeah, I am exhausted. Yes, I've moved from one interest and one passion to the other, and I never feel like I'm finding what I'm looking for. You see, you can be a Christian and not be seeking God himself. You you can carry the name Christian also and not be seeking God himself. Maybe what you're really pursuing is you're pursuing a a good life or a a peaceful life or a a sense of self-worth or a sense of control. You're looking for God to give you those things. You you, you picture religion, you picture God, you picture Christianity as a, a way to get those things. Those are really the end. That's what you're pursuing. That's what you're seeking. God may be a great end that helps me get there, but that's actually what I want. I want a good life. I want a peaceful life. I want a sense of self-worth. I want a sense of control or whatever the thing is that you're longing for, and God is a means to that. When actually God himself 
is what your heart is longing for. I can tell you this 100% if whether I know about your life or not, I know this about life, your life, what you are actually longing for, the true end of the passions and drives and appetites and desires that you have, the true ending that you're looking for is you're looking for God himself. Not a peaceful life or a good life that he can give you, not a clearer conscience that he can give you, not a help in, in this life, though he will give you all of those things, but it not look what you're actually longing for is God himself. That's what I know about you to be true. You are longing for him. You are hungering after him. You are thirsting for God. Your, your soul is thirsting for God. What are you feeding? What appetite are you feeding? What longings are you following? All those appetites and desires are really an appetite and desire to know and to be known by God. That's the charge that David gave to Solomon and, and it is given to us as well. But he also gave him a divine promise. He didn't just say, seek God, serve him and know him. He gave him a promise. See, every other desire and drive that you have is illusory. It paints an illusion for you. They never deliver. But God isn't toying with us. God isn't playing with us. God's not baiting us. God does no bait and switch. He says this it's his promise. That comes from David to you and it applies to, to Solomon and applies to you and me. If you seek him, he will be found by you. That's the divine promise. That for all of our longings and drives and desires, that is only found in God himself. The promise is given that though every, nothing else Will fulfill its promise to you when you seek it and desire it and drive and drive yourself into the ground for it, exhaust yourself for it. I will be found by you if you seek me. He's not toying with us. The promise is if we seek him, we will find him. Are, are you tired of lesser things? Aren't you tired of striving after wind? Don't you want God himself? He is the prize, after all. He's the prize. It, him, himself, his presence, he is the prize. If you have if you know and are known by the creator of the universe, you will lack no good thing. But you can gain lots of good things and not get him. But if you get him, you get everything else.
everything else. You, to experience communion, that means a close, deep union. To experience communion with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's the greatest thing in eternity. That's the lesson that God is continually trying to get through to our thick, sinful, darkened minds. I am the one you were created for. And communion with me is everything you long for and is the only thing for eternity that counts. And any of those other things that you fear that you won't get, you'll either discover that you don't need them or you'll discover that I, your good Father, the creator of heaven and earth, will give them to you as you need them according to my wisdom and for my glory. But you'll have me either way. Look at what David said to Solomon. He said, seek him, seek the Lord, and he will be found by you. Why was that so important to him? You know why that's so important? Because David had found, read the Psalms that he wrote. Read the story of his life. He had found that the presence of God, that God himself was everything. And that for all he had achieved, all the ground that he had conquered, all the battles he had won, all the ways, all the things that he had done, anything that he had achieved of any real value was achieved by God himself. God is the prize. If we seek him, we will find him. And if we find him, we will find everything else that we need. This sounds like a promise that we hear in the New Testament, right? Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? All these things. What are these things? He's talking about the, you need clothing, you need food, you need all the things that we need to exist. He says, if you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if you seek him, you will be, he will be found by you and all these other things will be added to you. How, how, do, we, how do we see that our families are provided for? We seek God. See, most of us have a bifurcation in our mind. We say, oh yeah, I want God, but if I'm gonna provide for my family, I gotta go out there and yes, you do have to work, you have to do all, but are, what are, are you relying upon your work and your effort and your drive? The best way that you can provide for your family, provide for yourself, provide for your future, is to seek God first above everything else. To train yourself to believe that if I have him and I have nothing else, I have everything. And he will provide all that I need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. How do we make sure that we accomplish all that we are, God has called us to do? Do you know how? We seek God. How, how do we fulfill our calling as a church? Do you know how? We seek God because this is true. His presence is all that we need. I'm going to live and die by that statement. His presence is all we need.
a better marketing campaign, a, a building, a better preacher, a better format, a better plan, a better strategy, a, a better location. You can accomplish a lot of things with those things. But I'm going to live and I'm going to die personally as a leader and as a father and as a husband that his presence is all we need. And if we have him, he will guide us and lead us and provide all that we need. But we cannot be distracted from seeking him alone. We, there is so much though that we need and that we want, right? Personally, as a household, I mean, the bills come. We have to live somewhere. We would like a building as a church. We would like more resources. We, we want to teach the people in Nepal and we the monies that, we've, that you guys pay, that gave so graciously and so generously, it, it dries up in a couple of months. We want to send more people to Nepal. We want to, I want to go visit my friends and brothers in, in India and in Bihar. We want to help them. There's a lot of resources that we need to, to fulfill the call that God has had. We have a lot of things that we need. But, I want to shout this for the kids in the back. What we need is him. We don't need a building to accomplish the next steps that he has for us. I would like a building. If you're giving one out today, I will take it. But I'm going to tell you, there is no silver bullet there. We need his presence. If you want to give a million dollars to the church today, we will take it. But we do not need that to accomplish the next steps that he has for us. Which would you rather have? Would you rather leave here on a Sunday, average Sunday, this in 2024, and all the Sundays that are lined up ahead of us, the 51 Sundays that we have ahead of us, or 52, whatever it is this year. Would you rather leave here having moved chairs, stacked them on the racks, moved racks, packed and unpacked boxes, moved them in and moved them out? Would you rather do all that with the knowledge that you've been in the presence of the almighty creator God and have seen his hand at work or would you rather waltz into a building where everything's laid out for you and hey I'll take that but no presence at the end that's an easy call for me to make I hope it is for you too, but it's an easy call for me to make. And if it's not, then I, I, I wouldn't just say, hey, this, this church might not be the church for you, but I would say, hey, any church may not be the church for you. 
Because we've turned church into a lot of other things other than the place where God's people gather in God's presence and see God's power move. We are nothing without the presence of God. Nothing. I mean, what do we have to offer apart from that? We don't even have the gospel to offer apart from that because the end of the gospel is that we get God himself. So as we stand here on the first Sunday of 2024 and we sat in the stones and we look back and see how far have we come. Think about your personal life. Think about your family. Think about our, our church if you've been around and, and look back and see Look what the Lord has done. I want you just to think some, some things. Think through what those are. The Lord has done. Even as a church, think about some things. As elders, we've been saying, hey, there's some things that we've been praying for a few, for a few years, and we weren't really sure if it was going to happen, but we look back over this past year, and we see, hey, we've been praying for conversions. We just had six baptisms last month. We've been praying that we would be a diverse church. We've been praying that God would make us a church of missions and, and that we would see the, the moving and the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our midst. And we look back over the past year, and we say, wow, we can see the Lord has been answering that, but we are not content with that. There's so far to go how did that begin to happen because we began to seek God how will we achieve all the things that God has for us as a church as our families as people going into 2024 by seeking his face with the assurance see this is this is the this is the silver bullet the silver bullet is we have an assurance from God that says if we seek him He'll be found by us. If we call out to him, he will move. If we seek his face, we will know him. If we serve him, that word serve there when David told Solomon to serve is, the, is the, like a, what a, a subordinate officer would do to a commanding officer. You serve him. You place yourself under them. And why do we seek God? We seek God because he sought us. He's come after us, his lost sheep. God didn't just say, just grope around and blindly try to find some way to find me. He came himself in Christ he came himself. He revealed himself in his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He showed us through Christ. He showed us his nature. Through Christ, he showed us his character. Through Christ, he showed us his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He showed us in Christ. He showed us his justice. He showed us his mercy. He showed us his grace. He, Christ, took our sin and our shame and our death and he conquered our enemies. And he did it all to bring us close, to bring us in. Why do we seek God? Because he's come after us and sought us. 
Why, do we, why can we proceed with confidence knowing that if we seek him, he will be found by us? Because he gave us that promise, and Jesus is the anchor assurance. The cross, the empty grave, the crucified and risen Savior, they give us assurance that if we seek him, we'll find him. As we go into 2024, what I'm, I'm just here to urge you as a friend, as a pastor, to urge you personally, to urge you as a family, to urge us as a church. Above everything else that we may need, that we may wonder about, let us seek God. To know him, to serve him. And let's see what he'll do. I'm going to pray and we're going to offer, we're going to worship together, we're going to have communion together as a family. There are going to be two stations, one on either side. You can come up through the middle if you are a believer in Christ. This table is open to you. They'll, be, uh, they'll hand you the bread and they'll also hand you the cup. You return back to your seats. And then John will come up and lead us in communion afterwards. Father, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find rest in you. You made us to seek you. You made us to know you. Lord, forgive us for the ways that we have been distracted. God, you know our weaknesses. You know our frailties. You know our sin. And yet you love us. In Christ, you paid for those. And you call us to reject every other song that's trying to woo us to follow so that we follow you and you alone. Lord, I pray that this year be a year that we seek you. Individually and as a church. That we cry out to you. That we come on Sundays and to community group and progressively make the, the first movements that we make as we wake up in the morning to seek your face. Not for any agenda that we have with you, but just for you. And trusting and believing that you'll provide everything else that we need. Lord, give us that assurance this morning, I pray, in the name of Christ.